And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Dr. Philip Lee, consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm also Philip Lee. I'm a consultant geriatrician with a special interest in intervention. And I guess, yeah, I'm a very slightly high-pitched Philip Lee. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm Hannah Barham-Brown. I'm a GP registrar in Yorkshire and do various other weird political stuff on the side as well. Oh, don't play it down like that. <laughs> tell, them, tell, tell them, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Tell them what you do. Oh, it's awesome. Okay. And okay. we are so sorry psyched to have you on. <laughs> Tell, go on, give it, give, okay. give it full blast. Um, so I am a GP registrar in Yorkshire, but I'm also deputy leader of the Women's Equality Party in the UK. And I am a disability activist and campaigner who spends a lot of time traveling around talking at people about why they should be less crap about disability. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, that is much better. You have an awesome voice and she, she's done TED Talks. She is amazing. I'm so psyched. She's got double barrel surname as well. So that makes that makes a surname. That makes your surname longer than Thrush's, which is pretty impressive. You know. Uh, actually, I think if you count the letters, I still I I'm I'm up there with the syllables and the letters. Yeah, you're you're definitely beating me on this. Did you know my surname actually is double barreled, but I don't include the first barrel. I just give people one barrel. I added my second one myself during med school. I was that kid. Okay. Wow. It was a kind of like, it's actually, I think it's actually quite sweet. So I was always Hannah Barham and my whole family are Barham. And my mum, like her maiden name was Brown. And when I graduated, I, when I was coming up to graduation, I realized that my mum, who's fiercely intelligent, she's like the first of her family to go to uni. And actually I get most of my brains from her. And I wanted to kind of reflect that <laughs> in my practicing name. Um, so I just thought, sod it, I'll become Barham Brown. And when I was a kid, before I was in trouble, it was always Hannah Sarah Barham Brown. So I quite liked how it sounded. So I just added it on as a kind of tribute oh, to my mum. That's so lovely. I think so. Oh, yeah. Except then the slight awkwardness is that my brother has my brother's married a Dr. Sarah Brown. Um, and so oh. they were just like, well, we can't double barrel now because you've already bloody done it. And so we have two <laughs> Dr. Sarah Barham Browns, which is that kind of is really, so, that is yeah, awesome. Is, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I chose mine um, as opposed to, we've kind of gone in opposite directions. I've added, you've disappeared one. Well, speaking of sibling rivalries, my sister, she, she, um, you know, she was going through med school and then I think I joked with her, like, um, you know, I hope you get married soon, because if you get married soon, then I'll be the only Dr. Lasker around. And, you know, it, it happened. It, she was actually going to get married in the middle of, me middle of med school. And I was like, this is awesome. You, I am going to be the only Dr. Lasker to exist very, very soon. And then in spite of me, she decided to not change her name professionally. And then she changed her name to like Dr. Lasker Dawood or something. And I was just like... You know, I almost had it. I almost had the monopoly on this, but it never happened in the end. I mean, that's that's siblings, isn't it? You can you can get away with stuff like that, being a little bit petty, taking the odd jab here and there. It's nice, right? It's not. It's quite nice. And I guess she's trying to keep me grounded. So speaking of pe keeping people grounded, I mean, that's what a governing body should do, isn't it? I, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a crazy week on Twitter as usual, and yes, as Thrusha says, uh, yeah, you know, professional bodies should be keeping us grounded. 
but maybe they've taken a step well, too far. What do you guys think? What's been going on on Twitter this week? I mean, obviously, we've got to talk about Phil Lee, and we'll do that at the end, right? Mm. Because that's a big deal, and he's obviously someone who's very close to our hearts. But the more kind of like notable, I guess, more notably outside of Twitter, outside of Med Twitter, there's the uh, GMC being taken to court for just frankly being racial mm. and uh, going after that world-renowned urologist. Um, uh, I think he was being, a, from what I remember, he was being a whistleblower for surgical practices in the trust that he worked at, mm. and uh, they were called out essentially for just going above and beyond uh, in trying to find evidence against him. And I think the court found that they were this was a kind of a showing a racial bias, mm. uh, which doesn't reflect very well. Um, and it does make me think, like, do we have a choice but to give them money? Like, can we not pay them, or is that is an option? Or? No. No, that's not really unfortunately. Um, but it costs so much. It costs so much. Yeah, many, many have suggested it. I mean, it's it's pretty awful because we already knew that doctors from like minority ethnic backgrounds had far worse outcomes when they were referred to the GMC were far more likely to be referred in the first place, um, like mm. disproportionately so. Um, and so, yeah, this is the first time I think that we've had seen like a proper kind of big legal case saying, no, 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 the GMC were very wrong to investigate this as much as they did. What I recall mm. is that like, even when his trust who'd raised the concerns said, actually, no, we probably got this one wrong. The GMC continued with the investigation. Um, so mm. yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal that this has actually like gone to court and won. Cause I don't think we've really seen anything like that before. Um, so it's not been a good week for the GMC. Can you see any kind of um, any or any of it changing? Like any of it getting better? Like do you, because it's not. I, I I can't say that. I mean, I guess it's still pretty fresh, isn't it? Like it's um, obviously the news reports are really only over the last couple of days. But I just kind of wondered, like, have, has there been any noises from the GMC to say, oh, actually, yeah, maybe we do have a problem? Or not massively that I've seen, but I think what really surprised me, and it shouldn't have because this should be kind of expected is how much kind of mainstream media this picked up like mm. a lot of like previous stuff we've seen with the gmc i mean like the bauer garber case did get quite a lot of coverage at the time but i think that was more the nature of the mm, case yeah. involved whereas mm. um this like the first i heard of it i was driving home from work listening to radio 4 because i am a cool kid and like this was one of the big stories <laughs> on the news at like seven o'clock news or something i was like Wow, like that's not something I, I can't really tell you how many times I have not heard like GMC mentioned on Radio 4. So yeah, I was quite stunned mm. at how much attention this has got. Um, so I think they're going to have to do something. And it's not like it's the first time they've been called out for racial bias by multiple organisations. Mm. Um, and they have like over the last few years been at least claiming to make efforts to improve things. But yeah, I think there's got to be a change at some point. Like, how many more of these do we see? I mean, you say that, but I don't know. I've got very little faith in things changing because, I mean, we've known about this stuff for, for mm. years and stuff. And, you know, and especially with that case that you mentioned with that, um, that paediatrician who unfortunately um, was was in a lot of trouble. Like, I remember when that happened and it hit the papers and stuff, a lot of my consultants looked at it and literally said to me, oof, I mean... It probably didn't help that she had a headscarf and she was brown yeah. or you know or colored i mean that's probably not helped her and i agreed with her you know and that's kind of 
you almost expect almost expect as much. And um, I mean, not quite the same parallel, but there was a case uh, where, I mean, this wasn't a doctor, but a young student, I think she was an Oxford person, and um, she, she, I think she stabbed her boyfriend. Do you remember this? I think we spoke yeah, about this. Uh, yeah, the promising surgeon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, and they kept calling her a surgeon. And I was like, oh, but she wanted to be a surgeon. She wasn't actually a surgeon, but they kept referring to her as a surgeon. You know, when you're a med student, like you're promising anything. Like I was a nobody, but I could have said I want to be this, and I'm a promising, you know, whatever it was, promising, you know, <laughs> yeah. nobody. But um, but it was amazing to me that she she got a, you know, I don't know where she got away with it, but like it, you know, generally speaking, things were quite amicable towards her you know in terms of what the outcome was and you can't help but you know feel as though maybe things would have been different had she been headscarfed and and colored right and this is what i mean like we've seen it again and again like how why is this going to change i just don't feel like it i don't know maybe i've got so, very little hope with these things these like, days i am not an employment lawyer at all but i think one of the most mm. interesting things about this is that you have to be able to prove that they would have behaved differently if this person was white to claim like racial discrimination Mm. and actually i think the reason this case went as far as it did was because the gmc were had the same complaint put in about mr karim and a white surgeon um and they Mm. didn't look into the white surgeon's allegations but they looked actively for material to support the allegations against mr karim um Mm. so like they were able to prove that the way they treated these two doctors was different and presumably mm. make the case that that's that yeah they 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 should have investigated both equally at least and they did not yeah so the gmc just went that extra mile with their racism it kind of almost ties in a little bit i mean what we're talking about ties in with what we saw with the comments earlier in the week don't you think with like dida harding's comments on on foreign doctors right i mean we all saw that didn't we and there was a lot of uproar on on med twitter about the idea that um, we need to, you know, construct, you know, rely less on on foreign foreign um, NHS workers. I mean, we all saw that. What did you guys think? So I think this is a really really interesting story in that the way it came out, like it was an article in the Times. At no point did it directly quote Dido Harding. I have very yeah. little mm. doubt that you know she may well think that way. Um, I would not be remotely surprised if this was actually you know the story was directly linked to her in some way but it i think the way it was reported was really interesting because there's almost an Mm. element of plausible deniability in that there were no direct quotes from her but the language Mm. used was very dog whistly um Mm. like if you know what you're reading you're just sitting there going whoa this is really dodgy um but i think Mm. actually like she is in the running for a very high-powered job with and some of the people who will be like the Tory government is not exactly the most welcoming in terms of immigration, mm. let's face it. And mm, so actually yeah. there's an argument that if this is what's kind of appeasing the people who might well be employing her or who she'll be working with if and when she gets the job, and I'm unfortunately I feel it might be a bit more when than if, then mm-hmm. yeah, you can see why this story was leaked handed over it's it's horrible but i think the background to it is pretty interesting yeah yeah totally because i didn't really think of it that way because i remember people saying look there is no direct quote of her saying that so you know maybe it's like a hit piece but then when you put it that way it's kind of like well the, the quote is kind of associated with her mm. and she hasn't come out and been like i oh, know i didn't say that or anything mm. it's kind of out there 
and I guess as you're as you're saying, like the dog whistle element, like people will associate with her even, and then the plausible. Yeah, it's very interesting. Oh God, I mean that's like three D chess with like that's uh, politics. <laughs> that's politics. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's but that's the thing. Like I mean, when you when you take a step back. You know, you would have thought that that would be a negative, that would have a negative impact on someone in general, right? You you know, from everyone, everyone's point of view, if someone even was associated with saying something like that, then there would be a negative thing. Like if 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 a, like a celebrity was caught saying something overtly racist, then they would come out quite very quickly to say, you know, either apologize or say that that's not what they said. But that's not what's happened here. So whether they said or didn't say it, the fact that it hasn't been such a detrimental thing to their overall image that they need to um, they need to come in and uh, you know uh, deny deny it that that kind of tells you a little bit about maybe where we are because I mean we all have our own echo chambers but is that where we are in 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 this country at the moment that these things can be said and no one needs to feel like they need to say anything verify or deny because it's actually not that big a deal anymore. Yeah, well, I remember feeling like that when Boris Johnson like won the election and, you know, he was, like, talking about, you know, what to expect from his primary. And, like, he was spouting all this stuff about, like, improving social care. Oh, yeah, that was, like, mm. going to be his top priority, social care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, even when he's saying that, like, I know that he, kn- like, we all know that he's talking nonsense. And I reckon that the scary thing is that he knows that we know that he's talking nonsense and he doesn't even care. Like, he could just say that stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like... He can say literally anything. Say, oh yeah, please, that sounds great. Like it's it's bonkers. Yeah. That's what happens when you have an over eighty seat majority in the House of Commons. You can do pretty much whatever you like. And then, <laughs> yeah, we are doomed. We're doomed. Yeah. But um, speaking of like dog whistly stuff, I guess there was that other stuff that's fairly emotive that um, about kind of white children in schools and you know like, mm. um, the working class. And yeah. I always find that I always feel like that's kind of coded because I do. I mean, I obviously think like all working class. I mean, like everyone to elevate everyone don't we mm. but I kind of always I feel a little bit like when that's kind of um, put out there I feel like that's a coded message or am I kind of like reading too much into that well I mean the thing like, when that came out they what well, they were saying that white children there are some white children that don't have the same opportunities and to me when I heard that I was like I don't really care if they're white or not white I mean you're talking about children who don't have opportunities like that's that's yeah. the issue I mean every kid should have the opportunity and we all know that we we've got to this position you know whether that's a good position or not is a different question altogether but there are advantages that we may have had over other people that is a shame because not everyone has those advantages like i remember when i was working in superdrug back in the day i was terrible at that job i was terrible at stacking shelves i was terrible on the cash cashier thing or whatever i was absolutely atrocious and at one point they were like we need to find something for you to do or we're just gonna have to tell you to just go away there's no point in having you around but there was another guy I worked with and he was awesome. He was so quick at getting things together, very, very quick at like, you know, mental arithmetic and stuff. And I was like, man, well, this guy is really smart. Like I could tell how smart he was. So then one day we got into conversations like, hey man, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, where are you at? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I've just got this job. I was like, all right, yeah, so what are you doing next? He goes, no, 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 I left school. I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, stay super drug and then maybe yeah. move on to another job. And he goes, what about you? And I'm like, oh, I was gonna do like A-levels and maybe going to med school. But I thought, but bro, you're like smarter than me. Like clearly, like you're clearly smarter than me. Like why, why we, we should be opposite. We, I should be doing what you're doing and vice versa. And it was, the, I felt it was more the fact that he never felt as though he could do more. Like that, when I spoke to him more, he never thought that it was even a possibility for him to get anything beyond like D's and C's and be able to do anything with his life. And in reality, he was super, super smart. And I just think that's that's the that's a tragedy. Not whether they're white or black or brown. The tragedy is that any child should feel like they can't do something 
that they if they put their mind to it's it's privilege that's what it feels like i think stories like this are pure divide and conquer distraction politics so it's Mm. kind of they want to make it about race and using phrases like white privilege do that when in reality Mm. what we should be talking about is the fact that cases of children living in poverty are rising exponentially we're having to get footballers feeding children during a global pandemic we have kids whose mm. schools have been closed who are sharing like one laptop and a smartphone between multiple children to try to do homeschooling for months on end like that's the stuff we mm. should be talking about right now and not like throwing mm. around phrases like white privilege um because that is literally just divide and conquer look over here and try and ignore all of this horrific stuff going on over there it's it's a bit of a dead cat story i think um because lo and behold mm. we're all talking about it which is kind of what they want <laughs> and this is the way yeah, the government yeah, operates yeah. a lot of the time is they throw out a dead cat go look over there there's a dead cat what can we get away with while they're not paying attention? <laughs> I feel really inappropriate saying dead cat repeatedly when my cat keeps leaping on my lap. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did okay. think about that. I was like, that cat's probably looking at you like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, so how do you? Because there there is stuff that goes out there, and you're a bit like, I mean, this is kind of smoke and mirrors. Like, how do you kind of? But it's not always that obvious, is it? Because there is stuff that, I mean, the reason why people talk about it is because it's emotive and whatever. How do you cut through it? How do you do it? It's really difficult. I think you just have to keep, I think you have to find the things that you're really focused on. So, you know, from my perspective, the political party I work with is the Women's Equality Party. So we have very set priorities around things like ending violence against women and girls and education Mm. and making sure we have equal education and representation, equal health, which is obviously a big thing we might talk about later. Um, So we Mm. have very, very key priorities that we try and keep pushing. And our whole kind of Mm. modus operandi, we're a small party. Like, I'm not planning on rolling into number 10 anytime soon, partly because there isn't a ramp. So that'd be quite problematic. Um, (laughs) That'd be the first thing you do. Yes, the first Uh... thing I do would be sit outside and watch some sucker have to build me a ramp. Um, (laughs) Should have thought this one um but the way that we often operate is that we will contest seats and that sort of thing on a ending Mm. violence against women and girls ticket so our general election campaign we ran five survivors of domestic assault against domestic abuse Mm. and assault against five mps who'd been accused of sexual assault um to kind of go this is happening in parliament we have no recall act so like you can't just like say my mp's being really inappropriate and is being investigated for xyz i don't want this to be my mp anymore you can't do that so we use mm. the election to kind of point a spotlight on this issue in society and go violence against women and girls is everywhere uh, massively mm. during the lockdown uh what are we going to do about it and how can we get the attention onto this like in a way that's constructive and gets people talking and means that politicians Mm. can't just sit there and go oh what the rape review let's just pretend that didn't come out this week um literally boris Mm. johnson referred to the rape review as jabber or talk about the rape review as jabber in pmqs yesterday so i mean you'd say you'd say have like tunnel vision is that what you'd say i mean have a bit of tunnel vision with the the topics that you're interested in and be like look i don't care what you guys are saying about football and all that kind of stuff I want to concentrate on these topics and you know pay attention yeah so we'll often do like we'll often do a small comment about something um but like Mm -hmm. so you know today the britney spears story 
that's kind of been all over social media about how basically she's been in this awful coercive kind of abusive relationship from the sounds of it you know we would comment on that mm. because actually that's very linked to a lot of what we work on and we can link that back to what we do um so we might put mm. a comment out but actually yeah we have very specific focuses where we go look stop ignore all of the noise and focus on the things that are mm. actually ruining people's lives here and things that we can improve mm. um so there are ways yeah. to do it but yeah when you have a government whose entire modus operandi is based on the work of dominic cummings who is the king of dead <laughs> yeah. cat politics it's really hard yeah. to cut through through that i mean that does kind of lead on to something that um you kind of mentioned when we were talking about having you on the podcast which is about twitter not verifying disabled people mm. and how um th- it's just like one of the things that i hadn't really thought much about but i guess because it's an absence of a thing and um how how do we go about changing that so um it's, it's going to be challenging and i think it's about putting a spotlight on it again kind of getting non-disabled allies to kind of go wait a minute where are all the verified disabled people so basically um, mm. like a whole range of us I think the list is now over 90 people long um, who mm. are disabled yeah. activists, we've got activists we've got journalists, politicians like me we've you know, got some really prominent people um, not only in the UK but primarily who have applied for verification and often been like turned down within hours and they'll have ticked all the boxes mm. um, done everything that Twitter's required and yet still just been declined um, so I think I was declined within 24 hours and they the things they ask for is a bit odd. They're sort of like, what is it you do and you've got to fit into certain boxes. So doctor isn't an option. Um, yeah. But so mm. I went with politician activist. Um, and then you can either yeah. link to a whole load of news stories from articles that from like journals that they verified, but you don't get a list of what they are um, within the last six mm. months. Or you can talk about a hashtag you've created that's gone viral and that sort of thing. I like said look mm. i'm deputy leader of a uk political party um here is my website here is my email address with women's equality.org at the end um and mm. here is a bbc news story about a hashtag i started that went viral like it it doesn't get mm. much yeah, yeah. bigger than that and yeah decline within 24 yeah. hours and so i think this 24 is, hours that's mental it's completely mad like the german national federation for disabled people has not received verification we found that one today i was mm. like <laughs> <laughs> we're still thinking about it. it it's literally like german disabled people's okay. network is not verified i mean you were saying that like that you've got you know disabled people on on tiktok who get in their tiktok videos taken down because what they're in a wheelchair that i mean that's what you were saying to us the other day and yeah. that's just it sounds crazy like I, it doesn't because i mean obviously it's not something i think about but when you mention it you suddenly think oh right yeah i mean i guess i guess i don't see many video i mean i spend a fair bit of time on tiktok these days uh-huh. and now i don't see many people in a, uh on um in a wheelchair that's that's strange yeah. but they're kind of skewing things to be be a certain way aren't they which is really troubling actually don't you think it's a very troubling thing place to be and the thing is it's not even as if they're accessible platforms in the first place like if i want to caption mm. a tiktok video which i always do because i think it's really important that everyone can access my content um but if mm. i want to do captions i have to use a completely separate app record it on the app mm. and then upload it to tiktok um or mm. just type out literally every word i say in that one minute video as a caption myself mm. oh. um and tiktok could easily put a captioning feature in they've had enough opportunities to do that but they just haven't and they make it harder for you to create accessible content 
As, in, as far as I understand, they're doing it because I looked into this as well because I started doing a bit of TikTok and I, I've heard they're doing it, but I don't know when it's coming out. But I mean, other platforms have done it. Yeah, it's available for some beta testers at the moment, but it's it's coming out really slowly. And when other apps that are smaller are doing it, you're just kind of like, mm-hmm. you've kind of made a conscious decision not to prioritize this. But this is the thing, like it, this, all this kind of stuff makes you realize that it makes you feel like maybe as if the whole thing is made to make you feel like you don't fit in, right? And that's what kind of brings me to Bethan's status the other day when she said, do you ever feel like you don't really fit in? And I guess I, I know that I've, I've, I've certainly felt like that over the years, being my, from my background and stuff. But I mean, that's something you felt as well, haven't you? Just, you know, be oh, you being you, like, you know, like just feeling like you don't fit in with the rest of the medical world even, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I started medical school running half marathons and I graduated in a wheelchair. This was this was not my life plan. Mm. Um, and I remember when I became disabled, I'd never seen another doctor in a wheelchair. I didn't know that they existed. Mm. I didn't even know whether it was possible. And it felt like I was quite literally reinventing the wheel um, because there just was no frame of reference, <laughs> right? There were no, like, God. Uh, you know, I, when you do this, I'm never sure whether I should laugh and am I going to get in trouble for laughing? Like, I feel uneasy. Am I, is, this, is this a joke? Okay, if I'm smiling, you can laugh at the disabled girl. That's the rule. Okay. Um, I will tell you off if it's inappropriate. Um, but no, so I'd like, I'd never seen this. And like there was, you know, I was having to have really long conversations with various sections of my medical school going, how do we do this? How do I, we have no, nobody has an idea. Um, and it made training really mm. difficult because obviously you've got to hit, hit off all these competencies. I'm quite lucky I can mm. physically do most things, though dislocating a shoulder doing mm. CPR was not my finest moment. Um, but <laughs> it, like, it, it felt like I was constantly the first to come up against everything. Mm. And also mm. you kind of, you're very aware that particularly as a foundation doctor, the expectations are that you are everywhere with all of the notes and you're I hated foundation. Um, and mm, yeah. I felt, I was mm. made to feel and I felt like a massive burden um, because you could just tell that people thought mm. they'd have to carry me. They'd have to take the extra weight and there would be stuff I couldn't do and it would like create more work for them. Now, I don't deny mm. that I work differently um, because I have to. Like, I had a laptop on my lap. I can't push a thing on wheels and push me. That's just not something I can do. Um, but I would find ways around it and ways to be more efficient. And just, yeah, you know, people used to say, oh, I bet you don't do crash calls. I'm just like, I can go 12 miles an hour down that hospital corridor if I need to. I'm really freaking fast. Like, I'm the first one here standing there going, somebody, for the love of goodness, turn up because I'm only one and I have no idea what I'm doing. So, you know, I found other ways around. Mm. And, but that constant feeling mm. of being othered, being the odd one out, I mean, I get this very, very often, um, both in medicine and politics and everything else I do. Mm. And there's often a bit of a feeling of, are people asking me to do something mm. because I'm the token wonky? It must be so exhausting. It must be so exhausting. I mean, we we've talked about like being being coloured being exhausting, right? Um, but like this must be exhausting, like because you're you're questioning yourself, um, you know, as as to why people are talking to you, accepting you, yeah. or putting you into positions. I suppose, right? Yeah. Is that is that what you mean? Like when you say that you're the token token. You can say wonky. I'll allow wonky. Um, you can't say crip. Definitely don't say crip. No, um, I can't. I can't do yeah, it. I can't it do is, it. It is. Yeah quite knackering Mm. and I think I'm very lucky in many ways because 
as you can mm. probably tell, I'm quite loud. Um, and like, I come, I've always been quite a forthright person and quite externally confident anyway. But you know, I've had massive issues mm. of anxiety and depression in the past, particularly since qualifying, because you are constantly double thinking. Mm. And it's very, very hard to get out of that mindset. Um, mm. And you know, when every single patient walks in mm. and does that double take, you say you get used to it, mm. but you never really do. Um, yeah. That's a microaggression, isn't it? Like in yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, this is no, no. I mean, I, I can't relate on any on any level, really. Um, but I was actually speaking to my wife a little bit about like, you know, the feelings of being, you know, where, where you're in a room and you're wanting to know. I mean, there, there's a point in life where you when you walk into a room and you want you, you're thinking yeah. to yourself, will people like me? You know, will people like me? Right. That, that's a question. And are they, what are they thinking of me? But then I also think there is a stage in life where you get to where you're almost like, mm-hmm. will I like anyone else in this room? Am I going to like you? And that, that's kind of an important transition. And the reason it came up in conversation is because I was talking to her about, um, which is not the same thing by any means. I'm not saying that at all. But she she, yeah. you know, when I met her, she didn't wear a headscarf. Right. And then in the about maybe it was halfway through the first year of being married, she suddenly decided that she's going to wear a headscarf, right? And she's she's literally. I woke up one morning, put a headscarf, and walked out of the house. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, look, this is happening. I'm going to do it. And she walked off. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not going to argue cool. with you, but you you go ahead. But it did cross my mind that I think things are going to change for us. Like I think people yeah. people are going to act with her differently. And it was true. Like people were acting with her differently. Like all of a sudden, some people didn't want to talk to her that much anymore, yeah. or they were finding a bit uncomfortable. Uh, and you know they weren't you know they were like they were just second guessing everything and it just became like this thing and um she told me exactly that like it felt as though in the beginning i was worried about will they like me will they like me now it's like no no no, do i like them and that's the important transition it took for her to be able to be more comfortable with being in a room you know and i can only imagine that um yeah you know when you're in that situation and the same thing happened to my sister as well same thing like she lost a whole load of friends when she when she decided to wear a headscarf and, and again, it was another situation yeah. like you start to figure out who your friends are and who, who really want to hang out with you and all that kind of stuff. And these are these are things that I don't think everyone gets to gets to appreciate or, or you know, um, understand. Yeah, there's definitely comparability there. Like it's I can always tell who who my people are. Like if somebody if like I'm invited out for an evening, mm. I know these are my people if I don't have to worry about whether I'll be able to get into the venue because my people will be the ones that mm. A, won't like book a venue I can't access anyway, or B, will phone ahead and say, right, have you actually got an accessible loo? Have you got, you know, wheelchair yeah. access? Um, and we'll do mm. that. And the people that like think about that, so like, you value me enough that you will remember I'm here and remember mm, yeah. about my impairments and go, yeah, okay, we've, we've got this and not put the burden on me to do it every time. Um, and it's kind of hard to express how much mm. that means, but I guess it's the opposite of a microaggression. It's kind of like a micro loving. I don't know. Um, no, that's nice. That's nice. I like that. It's it's true. I, yeah, there are good people out there. I promise. But the thing is, like you know, with with disability, it's like I don't think people realise that anyone. I mean, it's you know, Hannah, you've talked about this. Like you yep. went into medical school and you're able. I, I don't like the phrase that able, able yep. to say, but like, I'm going to say it just because we're in the podcast and we're trying to explain things. So you know, you you leave you leave yeah. you, you kind of left in a wheelchair, right? And so this is something that people really should understand that this could happen to yeah. this could happen to me, it could happen to anyone, right? And so surely there's something we should think about a lot more, right? Is you know. 
being a colored person, you're born colored. And maybe if you're, if you're white and you stay in the, stay out in the sun so, for a bit too long, you may start to become a bit brown. But um, <laughs> like, that's not going to affect your life chances. <laughs> that's not going to affect your life chances. But Where's the segue going? But I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, you know, mm-hmm. you, could, you can lose function you know, very quickly and it can happen in, in a blink of an eye. And you, we see that in being health professionals, can't we? And it's a shame we haven't thought about that in all aspects of life, like, you know, accessibility, going around the hospital. In a hospital, walk, yeah. getting around a hospital should be an accessible thing. But I've been in places where it's very difficult to get through to places. You've got to go mm-hmm. around to this lift, which will then take you to this lift, and then we'll take you to this lift. Mm-hmm. I mean, how's that, how's that thinking about... It's, it's bonkers. I mean, really doing this stuff properly, it's like a form of life insurance. Like, loads of people take out health insurance in case they, you know, get mm. hit by a bus. And yet, actually... Mm disability activism and disability allyship should be something that everybody does because Mm. it's self from pure self-interest that could be you that could be your loved one 18 percent of disabled people are working age like you know we are out there we're one in five Mm. people in the uk have a disability like we're not rare is it like a problem of like um because like everything's so stretched i guess people just don't kind of expand their thoughts out beyond like this very next task that I have to do. Because like, uh, like there was a tweet from Abby, wasn't it? Abby Carey, who's kind of said about like how just all NHS, for the, all of all of the stuff is like out of date and it's just mm. like terrible. Like the, but, like the kind of toilets, like uh, a lot of like uh, NHS mm-hmm. staff toilets, tiny. Oh, I'm an expert on NHS toilets. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's kind of almost like a, a malicious indifference. Isn't it? Like, I don't think what, it is malicious. I think it's it it just proves what happens when you don't have disabled people in the conversation. Like, so I have this thing where when I'm going yeah. to NHS trusts and talking to them about disability and disabled staff, which is one of my big priorities because we're woefully underrepresented in the NHS, I ask them to go and do one thing, and that's go into their disabled toilet and yeah. see if there's a pedal bin. Oh, uh, okay. Because so often I'll go into a disabled loo and actually a lot of people who use those toilets can't use pedal bins. Mm. That's why they're using that toilet. Um, And it's something really small, but it just shows that at no point have they spoken to or listened to or engaged with a disabled person. Mm. So there's this big thing in disability circles about co-production, about having service users and disabled people and other minority groups like represented from the very beginning of a design process. Mm -hmm. And if we're not on the boards of your company, if we're not, you know, doctors in your NHS, if we're not on your patient liaison groups, if we're not seen and we're not represented, Mm. stuff gets forgotten and you have to go back and do it. I don't think it's malicious. I think it's just really symptomatic of a service and of a society that likes to pretend that people like me don't exist. So we've got that link um, that we should put at the end of like the poco- like in the background, which is from uh, Liam O'Dell, who just uh, um, has that link of like 90 people. Um, mm. I think it's really worth yes. just kind of being able to hear those voices, because as mm. you say, like that's the, only, that's the only way that we'll kind of understand and appreciate people better is by kind of like listening harder. And there's some uh, really good accounts to follow there that we'll put at the, okay. in the background for the Yeah, podcast. we can do that. Um, so I mean, I mean, do you think do you think people people who are who are disabled do you think they they're less likely to go to medical school is that the issue because i i can't i i've only met one deaf person in the entire time in the entire time i've been a doctor and all the rest of it one deaf one deaf person the entire time and it does make you wonder yeah. like are they put off 
do they feel like they're not part oh, of God, the thing? Oh, God, yeah. So I get emails, because I'm vaguely prominent, mm. right? I get emails... I like to go with infamous. I get emails from like <laughs> so do we. sixth form students, <laughs> yeah. right? Sixth form students, like GCSE students, postgrads who are thinking about like doing postgrad medicine. I get emails at least one or two a month going, I really want to do this, but I've been told I can't. My school has told me that people like me don't go to medical school. Um, mm. My school has told me that, you know, wheelchair using doctors don't exist, but clearly you do. How did you do it? Mm. And it's always a how did you do it? And I've like actually blogged about, you know, how I got in and all this and my kind of journey through into medicine with a disability because it is so rare. And and actually, I think we are starting to creep through. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's been a lot of work creep through <laughs> um, as subtly as you can in a wheelchair. I'm constantly crashing into everything. Um, but... <laughs> You're allowed to laugh at that one, that's okay. Um, but like, we did a big report. So, you know, I'm I'm on the council of the BMA. Mm. I know that that's like Marmite to a lot of people who'll be listening. <laughs> but we've done a massive report into disabled representation in the health workforce. So mm. we surveyed over 700 medical students, doctors, and people who've left doctoring, mm. often due to their disability, oh. um, to find out what the barriers and stuff were. And it was, I mean, the disability report is up on the BMA website. I'd really recommend people have a read because okay. I can link well, it's that. frankly really depressing. Mm. Um, yeah, please do. Because I think it's there's loads of really good qualitative stuff basically saying it was clear I wasn't wanted here. Mm. Um, and stuff like that, like comments of I see no role models. I've never seen anyone else like me. Mm. I was told I couldn't do this. I was told I was a burden, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like so few doctors, I think it's like 55% of doctors get the reasonable adjustments they need, mm, yeah. which means there are 45% just kind of like wandering around going, uh, can't do this mm. easily at all. Um, so yeah, there's a massive issue out there. And these doctors do exist. Like we've got to remember disability is a huge spectrum. Mm. Um, if you have a physical or mental impairment that causes a long-term negative and substantial effect on your day-to-day -day activities, mm. you are disabled. You have a disability. Mm. That is literally the legal definition under the Equality Act 2010. Mm. And a lot of people don't even realize they hit those criteria. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize that their neurodiversity will mean they hit those criteria and don't realize that as a result, they are legally entitled to reasonable adjustments. Um, and then even when they do realize and try and get them, they obviously don't always manage to. So there are huge challenges out there, but disabled doctors exist. Yeah. And there are more and more of them popping up on social media all the time, mm. which is fantastic and lovely for me to see. Cause mm. it's like, oh God, maybe the message is getting out there, but it's really frustrating at how hard they're having to fight yeah. to just do their jobs. I think it's kind of a reflection on us um, that if we're not seen as inclusive as a profession, then also, I mean, like what must our kind of like a, uh, patients think of us and um mm. i think like if we, if we can't even be kind to each other then you know I, I don't know it just seems uh i mean it can only help the way that we kind of treat our patients if we're kind of more um you know diverse as a kind of group oh uh, so i mean i know that hannah you were talking about how actually um you know i think in one of your ted talks you were talking about actually there's a lot of the qualities that you're looking for in some in an employee or someone that you want to work with yeah. is actually being able to deal with difficult situations, you know, make the best of a, a difficult situation and, and things like that. And actually, 
disabled people maybe you know, are the best people to go for that kind of thing because they're constantly hacking life aren't they they're constantly you know yeah. using things and you know you're already thinking about how you're going to move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next step way ahead of most other people so you're actually you know we should be pining for for more disabled people to be in medical school because in that there's a there's a very strong workforce that that can actually be beneficial to so so many people not just not just patients but to other to other young people who want to come to medical school right uh, and I th- that really hit home I never thought of that until until you mentioned that in that talk um, perhaps bringing us back to kind of like because there's so many med twitter debacles that you know we should kind of like uh, try and cover <laughs> yeah like yeah. Um, you know just like our representation of us as a prof- profession and then comparing stuff to like nazis and things like mm. did, you, did you see the stuff on the yeah, nazis yeah. so we well, who is this Ju- julia grace is that right she yeah, she, yeah make sure you say yeah. there's julia and you know not rachel clark or something because yeah yeah i don't want to get done by someone <laughs> else that listens to the show but um yeah. yeah so no julia grace she she tweeted something about no i mean basically look if you think you're going to tweet something maybe don't include the word nazis in it or, or any i mean just it's just a bad just idea compare, right? unless you just really don't, just don't stuff to the nazis just, yeah you know, it's not a good idea hor- you know. yeah like yeah it's just what was that tweet again I, you know what what did she say what was it I th- wasn't it like a reaction to like a song that they were uh, getting children to sing so there's the one nation one one britain one nation song that they're getting these kids to sing and um basically she kind of did this whole twitter thread and the final tweet was asking whether our current political societal situation is reminiscent of Nazi Germany in the 1930s. <laughs> I think that's a, the best kind of explanation I can give. I don't have the wording of the tweet in front of me. but No, that's it. I mean, it just sounds awful. A lot of people responded going, no, 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 you, you, you can't compare Britain in 2021 to the horrors of Nazi Germany, the Holocaust, everything that happened there. That's hugely inappropriate um and a lot of people replied kind of saying that and quote tweeting it and all this kind of stuff and the tweet disappeared um it was deleted i think it's got about two and a half thousand likes by this point yeah yeah so what do you think about the timing of that deletion because there's one thing deleting it right like you know if it's been out there for i don't know 10-15 minutes or even a couple of hours maybe she'd received a few dms being like oh mate you know take this down but like It'd been up for a long period of time and it'd been seen by loads and loads of people. There's no, like, you could delete it, but, like, there's still that elephant in the room. Like, it's still that people could still see it, couldn't they? You could still access it. So, do you think that was enough? I think, look, I I think all of us will have said stupid things on social media at some point in the past. No, never, never, never. (laughs) Never, never. (laughs) Um, I've been on on Twitter for like 11, 12 years now. (laughs) I'm sure at some point I'd probably said something stupid. I don't think I ever compared Britain to Nazi Germany. (laughs) There's there's levels, there's levels though, Hannah, there's levels, yeah. We've all said stuff we regret though and stuff that was clumsily Mm. worded and I think we've got to think about how Mm. we respond to that because, you know, Twitter pylons are not pretty, they're not necessarily constructive, Mm. they're not helpful and I think med Twitter, a lot of people are kind of scared off of med Twitter a little bit because that does happen sometimes. Um, Mm. However, I think also if you are the person Mm. that's made a screw up like that and people are calling you out, you also kind of need to have the humility to go, maybe I got this wrong. Mm. Um, And actually kind of acknowledge that publicly. If you're being a public figure, being able to apologize is really important. 
and being mm. able to kind of accept that failure. And I think, mm. you know, this is this is a problem in wider politics. You know, we have created a culture where saying you're wrong, particularly in medicine, saying you're wrong mm. and apologizing is something that people are very scared to do and very averse mm. to doing. And that's really mm. unhealthy, yeah, totally. actually, because our doctors do it, our politicians do it. And actually, we need to just be able to say we are human and there's something beautiful about being mm. human, but that also means we screw up sometimes. Um, mm. And I think that's the big problem is that if she'd mm. gone, you know what, hands up, that's that's really not great. I'm really sorry I said that. That was inappropriate. Mm. Then that would be one thing. And I, you know, mm. I haven't checked her Twitter yeah. profile today. Funnily enough, I don't check her Twitter profile on the daily. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I haven't seen any apologies. I don't know what's going mm. on on that front. I mean, Trisha checked and she's saying there's no there's no apology. Mm. Yeah, I checked and there's nothing. But it's just interesting because, yeah, like you, you get stuff. Like that and I think there's a lot. I think I, when I've seen people apologize for stuff, I've been like, oh, actually, you know what? That mm. uh, that's quite a lot of respect. To be, I think I've got a lot of respect mm. for people who can apologize for things like that. Like, knowing how to apologize well is an art. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, mm. a good, it's good for the soul. It's cleansing. But uh, speaking of the opposite of cleansing, there was this guy who, who's also, he's got a blue tick he's verified, which is scandalous, frankly. Some dude called Eric. And- well, he's clearly not disabled. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah. And he's horrible. He's horrible. How did he even get a blue tick? How does he get a blue tick? And he's just a complete, you know. <laughs> when this nice disabled girl over here who's never heard a fly. Yeah, oh, it's like sound like an Asian parent there, but like it's just um, I don't know what is this guy on about. <laughs> so he, there was this tweet that I saw which was like, "Never approach a girl after 10 p.m. Like if you see her out after 10 p.m., she's obviously not worth it." Like what is what's Eric on about? Like did you see that? Or? You know when you read that kind of stuff, you just assume there's a punchline. So yeah. when I read that, I was okay. So the next tweet you read punchline. I'm only joking or something, but there there was no punchline. That was the tweet. And you think really? So. You, you, that actually went from your brain into your fingers and you, and you thought that was a good idea all the way through to send. What happened? There are a lot of <laughs> professional trolls on social media. This is the thing we need to remember is there are a lot of people who make their living because social media can be really lucrative if you do it well or badly enough, mm. um, that make their living from being controversial on social media. Like Lawrence Fox. Um, And so this is what he does. You go through this guy's Twitter feed. It is, let's attack women, let's attack women, let's attack women, let's be a misogynistic git, let's make something and say something outrageous because you know what? It goes back to that dead cat thing. We're all looking at it. We're all mad at it. Mm. We're all commenting. Mm. We're all engaging. Mm. And then that way, when some company, bearing in mind that when you charge for social media posts, you charge according to your engagement levels, anyone wants to approach him if they're a bit mad and wants attention he can go look my engagement levels mean that one post from me is like worth two thousand dollars yeah so we're just supposed to like turn our backs on them aren't we and just ignore them that's like what they told you at school to do just like ignore them and say like sticks and stones uh, you no. just have to like just don't quote cheat them you just you just tweet sticks and stones but tweets will never hurt I mean- me why did I do that? With with someone like with someone like Lawrence Fox, I just get the feeling that like he, I mean, he was an actor. Uh, he kind of had a, a variable career, and then he's kind of gone into sort of he's kind of almost forgettable, and then you know suddenly he's become you know someone that's in the public yeah, eye. He's good for mayor, you know, and he? that means a lot. You know, yeah, exactly. And he and he clearly wants to be remembered, and that means a lot to him, doesn't it? To be to be remembered 
uh, as someone that you've encountered on some level, even if it's on social media. And um, I mean, that kind of almost sort of brings us on to another tweet where there was someone who's talking about how... Um, They'd met a consultant who'd forgotten about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, you know, and they, they felt as though, oh, well, hang on, we've met yeah. before. Why have you forgotten about me? You know, and that, that was a, a sad thing. I think she found yeah. that upsetting, particularly because they've been on tape together. And that's almost like a shared, shared trauma, isn't it? And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, she'd met him on the ward. And then he was mm-hmm. like, I don't even know who you are. Like, you know, just kind of like looked right through her. Um, which I guess yeah. has different, um, I guess there are different things you can read into that. It's tricky. I can honestly say this is not something I've ever experienced um, because wherever I work, I'm generally the hospital resident <laughs> pain in the ass who's crushing into stuff and rolling over consultants. Hey, literally, I once had a consultant step backwards and end up on my lap. Oh, wow. You're like, hello. Yeah, because he just forgot I was right behind him and just kind of like fell back onto my lap. Yeah. It was very awkward oh, wow. all around. What did you say? Um, mm. But as a result... <laughs> I, it was just, it was just the most British kind of. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. So sorry. Uh, oh God. And you could just see the please don't report me to HR. Please don't report me to HR. Kind of going through it. Um, uh, and it was, it was not its mistake. But like, so being forgotten is not something I remember. But I do kind of feel a little bit bad for consultants here, and I'm not just saying this to suck up. Um, but no, no, carry on, carry on. Like, junior doctors, like foundation doctors, rotate every four months. And mm. if you are on tape for a weekend, you'll probably do that maybe, what, once a month? So you'll do that four mm. times. Um, and yeah, in an ideal world, I would love all my consultants to remember all of my colleagues and us to all get along like one big, happy NHS family. But, you know, also global pandemic, guys, yeah. massive collective mm. trauma. Like, mm. there's a lot our brains are having to process, even on top of our daily jobs, which aren't exactly easy. Yeah. So, yeah, it sucks, and I would feel a bit rubbish if I was forgotten about as well, and I do really feel for her, but mm. at the same time, if I were that consultant, could I honestly promise that I would remember every junior I'd ever worked with? I'm terrible with faces. I hope people remember me just for the bounce. They'd be like, oh, the three, that guy, three, <laughs> that guy, he talks a lot. I think I'd be remembered for that. <laughs> oh, that guy, they'd remember my voice. When, I mean, I, I did, I mean, I, I think the same thing as you, Hannah, like when you have patients who come in and they're like, oh, I remember you. And you think, well, I don't remember. I mean, you know, I see a lot of patients. I, I don't know which one you may mm-hmm. be. And, you know, like for you, for them, you're you're an important part of their life. They, they've met you and you're a big, big part of their life. But to Imran, on, it's but Tuesday. You've got to move on. <laughs> I don't work Tuesdays. But no, um, I, I'm joking. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's like a just another patient. What can you do? I'm not going to remember every single person that you, you, you visit, you meet and et cetera, et cetera. So it is, it's a difficult position because, you know, someone really wants to, to you know, make an impression, but some sometimes an impossible thing to do because there's just so many so many juniors walking in and out of this place I think so the patient thing is a really big challenge in GP because often mm. you know we obviously see a new one every 10 minutes mm. like mm. that's that's quite a lot of faces um, yes even now we see patients I know it shocks <laughs> people um, <laughs> I just had to say it um, but you know so actually one of my first supervisors did this great thing and he's sort of like Whenever you see a patient, try and remember one personal fact about them, oh. what their daughter's name is or what they do for work or whatever, and put it in the notes. And then the next mm. time you see them and you can go, how's your daughter? How's work as an accountant? And, like, oh. and they automatically, and bear in mind for GP, a lot of the time the doctor's a therapeutic tool, all of this sort of stuff. Mm. Actually, it really makes their day. And they go, yeah, you do, you do care about me as an individual and not just as yet another patient I need to see in the next hour. That is so cool. Should they do that in radiology, do you think? They should have like a little thing, like patient has a dog and I'll be, I could write in the report like, you know, 
Hope the dog's okay, because I know that, you know, these days they can access the reports. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? My best to Fido. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of dogs, or should we say big dogs, or the big dog of Twitter, Dr. Philip Lee got got kicked down. Oh, Uh, man. Did did everyone see that? Did everyone see that? Everyone backed him up there. (laughs) Everyone, he had everyone as backup. Everyone was just like, you know, we just... So what what happened? So basically, yeah. So there was was a tweet about being on on the tube, and uh, there was someone like, oh, you know, if you don't wear the mask, you've got your fellow non-mask wearer. And you're like, yeah, how you doing? You know, you're walking in, everyone's great. And then Phil, you know, quite rightly said that if you don't wear a mask, his implication was if you don't wear a mask, you're going to spread, you're going to potentially spread the virus and you should think about not doing that. And someone else tweeted at him, copied in the GMC, uh, complaining about him. And the GMC, instead of ignoring it, like they ignore so many things, they decided to tweet back on how to go go about reporting Phil Lee. Uh, that's what happened, right? And and the guy who made the original comment also had like the glass of milk icon in his Twitter handle, oh, which is right, yeah. like a white supremacist symbol. Yeah. Well. Do you know why it's a symbol? It, it cracks me up. Yes, you 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 actually sent me this. You sent me a video about this because I had no idea about what this milk thing was about. So you tell me. No, you it's tell just me. Like, this whole thing. Come on. It's like Educate how me. like how like they, they think they're superior because <laughs> like lactose intolerant. They're like, oh, those brown folk can't handle lactose. Cuss. So then yeah. somehow what? wouldn't it make more sense to drink the milk? Cause I don't know. But like a lot of them at these kind of rallies, they pour it on themselves, and I'm like, mate, that's not even how you consume yeah. the milk. Or like, what's that? I can do that. Yeah. The lactose intolerance doesn't. <laughs> I thought I'm going to be honest. I honestly thought it was going back to when people were throwing milkshakes at Nigel Farage. No, mate, it's way beyond. No. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember. No, that. it's not. It's to do. It's to do lactose intolerance. Oh, what? It's a perceived like evolution. Yeah, exactly. It's a perceived like evolutionary oh example. But like, if, to think about that, like, ooh, like they can't handle milk. Oh my god! Oh, we are the master race. Like, isn't that just hilarious? But yeah, there, there is a video of like white supremacists who are drinking milk and like celebrating the fact they can drink milk because you know brown people can't or you know ethnic people supposedly can't drink milk but the gmc was so helpful with this guy weren't they that's so nice yeah they were like oh if you want to complain about this guy this is how to do it this is how you can complain and you know we've spoken to phil and we had him on the most recent podcast and he said look as soon as as soon as social media is not fun for me i'm out i'm done Mm. and when Mm. that happened he was done. He was like, you know what? Like now, it's not fun for me. You, you've you've made it not fun, and it's not it's not worth my time. So he's decided to take a break, as far as we understand. Yeah. And it was a bit sad. I, I know I was very sad to see him go because I've enjoyed his tweets. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed knowing him as a person as well. Uh, Did you see there's some problematic yeah. accounts being like, but guys, don't pile on the GMC. Let's keep it professional. I'm like okay, yeah, right. decorum. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, man, yeah, what are people exactly. like calling but- for? professionalism and stuff on Twitter. I mean, what, what, what's just uh, how unreasonable. But then what's so heartwarming, you know, Med Twitter has its differences, doesn't it? And we've seen that again oh, and again oh, yeah. and again. We've talked about it lots of times, but on this, I think we're pretty unified. Well, like, except those guys. We didn't like the fact, well, yeah, of course. But then generally speaking now, everyone, including myself and, and yourselves, we changed our name to Phil Lee and we, we retweeted our support to Phil Lee. Some of us may have done a TikTok for Phil Lee. You know, we Shameless. there was a whole load of things that went out about, <laughs> but uh, we were just saying there's a lot of support and he even started trending. He was yeah. trending on UK Twitter at number 17. So maybe he'll get a blue tick. <laughs> Maybe Philip Lee MP is probably having a meltdown right now. He's wondering handle he's involved in yeah. that nobody's told him about. What is it this time? And uh, no, no, it's Dr. 
Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's the it's good Dr. one. It's Dr. Phil Lee, who has broken Med Twitter and looks like Twitter as well. It's wonderful, actually, to see that the amount of support um, that he's getting and just scrolling through. Um, and I, we, we've been like messaging him and screen capping like the things across to him. And he, he does seem, you know, from the messages he's sending back, like he's he does seem pretty overwhelmed and like, wow, like I can't believe that's like really happening that people have really gone out of their way to to show support for Phil yeah. and and what happened because in in some ways we all feel as though like this could happen to any one of us like we're trying to people do do you know, that don't they they're just like anything that kind mm. of disagree with you about they're like oh if you're mm. lying you there so have you been threatened with the GMC on Twitter Hannah um I don't think I have what? actually no way I think I've wow you're doing well mate you're doing no. well no I mean yeah. you've got to bear in mind I, I try and I, I don't get too involved in med Twitter itself. I'm a bit of a kind of like med Twitter voyeur now. I just kind of mm. sit on the sidelines going, <laughs> she said what? <laughs> um, because like, I think I have been burned in the past when I was like more involved with the BMA and stuff got really kind of unpleasant at various points. So I do try and like kind of just see it as a thing to kind of drop in and out of a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think this this whole situation it's it's lovely to see the support for Phil and i think it really shows quite how much people hold him in high regard cuz you know we've all had a really crap two years that's the understatement of the decade i appreciate mm. but actually phil has consistently been on point like spreading mm. a bit of joy being really sensible about like what he says about masks and all that sort of stuff and he's kind mm. of been that rock for a lot of us i think mm, he's kind of mm. given us some consistency um mm. and i think that's why everyone's a bit kind of yeah why everyone's so thrown by this and mm. you know i i kind of i do kind of see to an extent where some of the comments about pylons are coming from in terms of the gmc because i completely can imagine that there is some comms person at the GMC who's just twittering away, doesn't really think about it, replied with this and yeah, it was a massive error it was a massive error mm. and I'm sure they are having a pretty crap evening but mm. I think partly because I've worked with organisations that employ amazing staff who work really really hard and get a lot of crap for it, it's the mm. system that's rubbish, it's not the individuals Oh my and god, you just like, being so reasonable you make me sick you make me sick. Why are you outraged? Why are you calling for blood? Oh my god, what's wrong with you? Call yourself a politician. You need to confect it's outrage. A, a... You need to be you need to be like, I need more, give me more, and like using it. Use no, it. I, at heart I'm just like a lovely trade unionist who just wants everyone to be kind. A lovely trade unionist? Um... Oh. <laughs> we do exist we're great uh, on picket lines we're the ones that bring the coffee. Oh I see. Um, but yeah, so I think I think there are kind of yeah, there there are elements to this that I think we do need to think about a little bit, but fundamentally, this whole situation has been awful for Phil, and I just feel really bad for him, yeah, and particularly given mm. the news this week, particularly the rest of the stuff that's going on around the GMC yeah. and race in particular. Yeah. It's pretty abysmal. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's bad timing. I mean, one one would hope it is just someone working in comms who just sort of might have made a bit of a boo-boo there and um but then it's just like maybe that is the case but it's nice to see that everyone has managed to rally around and hopefully have him back at some point because yeah. we, we we miss him don't we and we will miss him yeah come back phil come back 
Yeah, come back, Phil. And we we spoke to him. We got to know him, and I, I knew him from before. And I, I've always had a positive experience of my interaction with him throughout my time. So, um, you know, as a person, I can definitely, definitely, hundred percent vouch for vouch for the guy. Uh, and on the online persona is very, very accurate towards what you're saying, Hannah. Like he's actually like super nice. Yeah, cool. So it, it'd be a real shame if he doesn't come back. So um, now, we've, so we've got a question from Ronan. Shall we? Uh... Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, let's, I'm going to play Ronan's question through the microphone, and we will hopefully try and answer it. So uh, here we go. Hi everybody, I'm Ronan, also known as that foundation year doctor that called Imran a bitch that one time. Twice, <laughs> twice. Uh, so this week on one of my medics group chats, we've been talking a lot about dating apps and terrible openers that we've either sent or received. Um, and given that Imran has been very candid about his complete lack of game and chill in the dating department in times past, Fair. I was I wanted to ask you guys, um, do you have any awkward stories, either your own or secondhand via friends, uh, concerning overtures made by medics in the dating department? And uh, if so, spill that tea. <laughs> I've got to say, I love his use of overtures and his accent. It's delightful. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice, yeah. man. It's a good accent. Yeah, I like it. Can we not just play that on repeat for overtures. the rest of the episode? Oh, uh, yeah. I can listen to that over and over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead, guys. Uh, let's answer some questions. Go well, on. Hannah, you, you uh, I mean, you've got connections everywhere, don't you? So you knew, you've got a good story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't have that many terrible experiences um personally i don't think so like what i've discovered is that if you put that you're um a doctor on dating apps you do mm. tend to get quite interesting responses some and it's quite interesting because you know i date men and women and men tend to be far more of the oh can you have a look at this rush um <laughs> whereas girls tend to be a bit more kind of like Oh, that's really fascinating. What area of medicine are you in? Uh -huh. um, oh. So there is quite a big disparity there, mm. I'll be honest. Um, mm. But I think one of the really, yeah, there have been some absolute BBs. Like when I was at medical school, I was a few years above my partner at the time and I was teaching clinical skills and it was PR exams and there was a plastic bottom involved. <laughs> and it was awkward enough because we'd only been dating <laughs> like a couple of weeks. Was it like Ghost? Was it like and Ghost, the movie with the kind of like... No comment. I mean, it might have been. Yeah, Carry well, on. <laughs> I, I feel like my, my like finish line is going to be so much worse than that now. Um, no, I was teaching. I was trying to look really authoritative. Like I was totally chill with this very awkward situation. And um, being a bit wonky, I sat down and landed in a tray of lubricant. <laughs> in practice, of like first wow. year medical students. He was like, do we have to do that? Like, that's not how you No. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. One of my mates was on dinner date as a medical student. I'm pretty sure she won't hear this, so I'm probably safe. Uh, there was a skeleton um, next to the dining table, oh, and I'm pretty sure her menu was like medicine themed. Oh as well. no. So yeah. Wait, did she go to Imperial? No, no. Oh, mate, no. She was in medical school with me, and I definitely did not get into Imperial. Um, <laughs> we love Imperial. Sorry about that. Yeah, we do. We on. do love Imperial. Yeah, so I'm just from yeah. George's, where we just like like talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate for that. Uh, uh, so yeah. But otherwise, I haven't wow. had too many like terrible, terrible. I have no chill though. I'm completely terrible at dating, oh, so too. I'm probably not one oh, to. Mate, I mean, yeah. You, you know, when that question came up, it was like you know. I was thinking, 
I mean, which story would you like to hear about? I've got so many stories. You know, like sometimes I think about that. You know, when you're about, you know, they say when you're about to pass away, you see your whole life like flash before your eyes. I wonder whether I'm just going to see every single failure just go past me. So, man, that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? You'll hang on for a while, though, won't you? I guess if it's all, if you have to Yeah, exactly. Um, Thrusha, you you are in a bit of a steady relationship from what I remember. Oh God, are we going to talk about that one? Back in med school. Did I tell you this? Well, I mean, we're talking. Oh yeah. So so well, when I when we broke up. So yeah, I've been in a relationship for uh, like since I was like fifteen, sixteen, and we broke up during F one, and um, mm. I was like, it was because we've been together for oh, such yeah. a long time. Um, like I was, I think I was pretty caught up about it, and. Uh, like, to a point where, so I was sitting in the mess and I was just talking to, like, the other F1, um, and he left, and I was there with this other guy, and this other guy goes, I can't believe you're breaking up with her, and I was like, don't even know who this guy is, like, uh, why do you think that? And he's like, I can't believe you're breaking up with her, because you're so obviously gay, and I was like, what? Oh my god. Yeah, what? and I was like, what? and I was like, now, and obviously, like, I get this a lot, I get this a lot, fair enough, right? But I was like, who is this guy? And he's like, and I was like, what makes you say that? And he's like, well, you know, because I've met you, and also because, and, and he says, like, and he says it like this, goes, <laughs> I'm also gay and a psychiatrist. And I was like, oh, uh, so, and then I was a bit like, because that's that's quite a strong body of evidence, right? Like he's gay, right? They've got gaydar and he's a psychiatrist. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second, am, am I, am I? I don't, am I? You do know that psychiatrists can't actually read minds, right guys? <laughs> You've met me though, like, you know I'm an idiot, right? So I was just, and I was, I was vulnerable. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, but what, uh, what? And then he was like, well, look, if you're not sure, and I was like, uh, and he goes, the truth is in your loins. And then he got up and left. Wow. It was, it was like, is, he said it was such gravitas. Weird. The truth is in your loins. And then he just left. And I never saw him again. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he was, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe you dreamt that. Yeah, maybe it was my that, subconscious. Maybe that's not real, per- yeah, yeah. You, you just dreamt that happened. It was, uh, your, your, subconscious your subconscious telling me, to, yeah, to, telling me to yeah. come out. <laughs> you should think about this. <laughs> I really hope this guy is listening and goes, oh God, I was such a little prick. <laughs> like, I really, really hope he hears this and goes, I was a dick. Oh yeah, but- I'm really sorry. I mean, yeah, if that guy is listening for about 30 minutes, I was, I really wasn't sure. I, th- I thought about it, but I, I stuck with, yeah, I just know. I yeah, don't fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, <laughs> that's such a it's random so thing to happen. It's so weird. Oh, but there you go. I think, I mean, for me, uh, I mean, I've, I've been, yeah, like Ronan has said, I've, I've got plenty of stories of not being very, very good at this kind of thing. And um, I was absolutely atrocious. And um, I remember um, back in med school, there was this girl that was a few, like a couple of years below. And um, she she was extraordinarily good looking and she was very very popular and she could sing she could dance and i think a couple of times i did try and talk to her but it was a complete desire you know i just knew it was never going to work I, I would never be able to even even if she was remotely interested she was just yeah and then i just kind of left it i just forgot about it and then uh, i was a, a junior doctor working on the wards and i went to the nurse station i think i was filling out some forms and this girl walked in and she's like, hi. And I looked, I was like, oh, no. Um, I thought I left you behind years ago. Like, what are you doing here? Like, come on. And then she was like, how are you doing? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's up? And I was thinking, like, I need to get out of this situation. Like, I know, I just, you kind of had this inkling. This is not going to go well. Like, just try and finish this and just get out of there. Just get out of there. And then she was like, um, oh, you know, I, I want to take some bloods and stuff. And uh, I was wondering where the blood forms are. And I went, no, there's no blood forms. And she went, sorry? 
And I was like, there's no blood. I don't blood. There's no blood. There's no blood. There's no blood. There's no blood forms. And I was just, I, you know, there's one of the situations where I was so distracted by like who she was <laughs> and, you know, kind right. of the, these feelings that I had that I, I just oh, couldn't man. get over. And yeah. I was just saying, say, I know it was such a disaster. Just saying words. And then, you know, it was worse. She could, yeah, exactly. Just words were coming out. And then she was just like, she looked at me and she goes, so what's that in your hand? Oh uh, yeah, blood forms. Oh no! <laughs> she was, can I can I get one? And I was like, you know what? And I I think I literally went like, look, can I, I just need to go. I've got. This. <laughs> I had loads of jobs to do on that oh ward. I really God, did. And the nurses up. were like, the, the, the nurses were like, Doctor Lassie, Doctor Lassie, you coming back? I like, yeah, but later. I, 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 can, can, whenever, it's an emergency. She, whenever she's gone, I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> and it just, I just. Oh my God! This poor girl had probably. What are you talking about? You don't want poor me. <laughs> No, no, no. Look, I've done my empathetic GP head nodding for the last, like, five minutes while I've told that very sorry tale. Um, but I'm just sitting there thinking, this poor girl was probably standing outside that ward, saw you standing at the nurse's station and thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask him for a blood form. That's a really innocuous way to start conversation. And then clearly Absolutely you're gonna like, run off into the sunset not. together. And there you are yelling the word blood at the poor lass. Yeah. And then you basically go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm way too busy and important for you and just fuck her off. No, look, genuinely. What a dick. Ge- no, 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 that's not the way. No, it's just impossible. Trust me. There's just no way. That's- we should just, I, I think we should cancel yeah, me. I think we need a Twitter pile on. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks. That's my level of game. Thank you. Thank you for finally canceling Yeah, Ronan's me. the architect of your demise. I love it. And, and he called me a bitch this week because this week you'll be very true. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, <laughs> So anyway, I think we are, uh, you know, more more than an hour in, um, and some really hard hitting topics. Hannah, thank you so much for for being a part mm. of this. Um, we really really enjoyed having you on. Um, I, I know Theresa was a bit fangirling. I was. At I still am. And gushing. I mean, this is this is still. Yeah, I, I'm kind of loving this. Please so, much this never so much wisdom. So much wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, we should have you on yeah. again sometime soon. I know you, you're very busy, you know, squeezing you in between all your Zoom calls and all the rest of it. We do appreciate uh, appreciate you coming along. So uh, yeah, thank you from us. Um, and, you know, to anyone that listens and continues to listen. Wow. Yeah, I mean, thanks. I mean, it's just, it just keeps going, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's awesome. It just it's keeps awesome. going. Thank you for all your time, everyone. Yeah. All right. So everyone, have a good week. Thank you for listening and speak to you guys soon. Yeah. Bye. Hey team, this is uh, Imran. Um, I'm doing this recording a few days after this particular podcast recording. We actually filmed this on a Thursday. And as many of you know from watching Twitter and everything that happened, quite a lot happened after that. And um, yeah, a few people tweeted at Thrusha and I saying that we're probably going to have to be up over the weekend to try and figure out what we're going to really say about it. And um, there was just too much to really put into this particular episode. We're already going way beyond the normal one hour that we do. So we've decided to do a bonus episode for you guys to really delve into some of what happened to Phil and also talk about a change in health secretary, maybe. So, yeah, keep an eye out. There's another episode coming out called the Addendum episode. And um, for those of you that are interested, just feel free to find it on the podcast provider that you're using to listen on this one. And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mic with Imran Lasker and Therusha Gurwana. Thank you for listening.